This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Tonight we're going to continue in Pilgrim's Progress, measuring Bunyan's Pilgrim. What we can learn uh, from uh, his writings and his knowledge of Scripture. John Bunyan's story entitled Pilgrim's Progress has brought us to the point where the pilgrimage of the new Christian finds him entering the house beautiful. In some versions of the story, it's the beautiful palace. Either way, Christian now has entered this dwelling. Three daughters who live there, prudence, piety, and charity have said to Christian, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord. This house was built by the Lord of the hill on purpose to entertain uh, and to encourage travelers like yourself. Then their conversation continues. Piety says, Let us learn from you the things that have happened to you on your pilgrimage. And Christian agreed. After telling of his journey, Piety said, What moved you at first to embark on the pilgrim's life? Christian, I was driven out of my country by a dreadful sound that was in my ears. It sounded like unavoidable destruction that would overcome me if I stayed in that place where I was. Now the sounds that he's describing are the sounds of conviction. The Holy Spirit's convincing him of coming judgment. And of course, the Lord said that that was the Holy Spirit's work. John 16 and verse 8, he would come to convict, convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And we saw recently when Peter preaches at Pentecost, how that conviction works. Some of us remember when we were saved, that conviction ringing in our ears. Do you, do you, did you have an experience like that? I was a young man when that happened. I had never experienced anything like it. It shook me. It drove me to go to my father and ask him about salvation, and he had the opportunity to lead me to the Lord. But uh, that night, I, I don't remember fear like that before. And I look back now and it was the gracious working of the Spirit of God. Yet many in the world, many in this city of destruction, mock the warnings of the Spirit and the Scripture about future destruction. They can call us conspiracy, conspiracy theorists, whatever they... But they, they mock the idea that judgment is coming. But this doesn't change the need to flee from the wrath to come. Remember what John the Baptist preached? Flee the wrath to come. It's coming. Noah and Lot were mocked also. But the wisdom of their escape is now evident, isn't it? All over this globe there's evidence of a universal flood. And if you're wondering what God thinks about homosexuality, the lowest point on planet Earth is a place called the Dead Sea. Do you know what the Dead Sea is? It's a bomb crater. 
God rained down judgment on that valley, and then the Jordan River filled it in with water. But it's dead, and it's a testimony that when God predicts judgment, you better go to the Lord and flee to His mercy. And so this is what Pilgrim, who's now Christian, is sharing uh, with these, these ladies. And by the way, I, I left one of the sisters out, discretion. I forgot to mention uh, her. We, we met her last time. So piety says, but how did you happen to come out of your country this way? Christian, it was as God would have it. As I was under the fears of destruction and did not know where to go, by chance there came a man as I was trembling and weeping whose name was Evangelist. And he directed me to the narrow gate, which when I had found it, set me in the way that led directly to this house. Piety said, And what else did you see in the way? Christian, I saw one hanging on a cross, and the very sight of him made my burden fall off my back. For I groaned under a very heavy burden, yea, and while I stood looking with tears and could not turn my eyes away, Three shining ones, speaking again of angels, came to me. One of them testified that my sins were forgiven. Another stripped me of my rags and gave me this newly woven coat that you see. The third set his mark on my forehead and gave me this scroll, which he tucked into my coat. With that, Christian continued his account, talking about those he had encountered in the way, Simple, sloth, presumption, formality, hypocrisy. And then the lions in the road leading to the entrance of the house where he was now a guest. Prudence spoke up. Do you think back sometimes on the country from whence you came? Christian, yes, but with much shame and loathing. Let me just stop here. It's amazing as you study this story, it's at this point that Bunyan shares some of the most helpful truth about spiritual growth, progress, sanctification that you're going to read uh, anywhere. And I'm going to take some time to expand a little bit on what he says through the lips of Christian. So again, Christian, yes, I look back, but with shame and loathing, truly, if I had been mindful of that country from whence I came out, I might have been tempted to return. But now I desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Now again, I think it's important here that we pause. You're in Hebrews chapter 11. Let me get there. Hebrews, James, there we go. All right. Look at verses 15 and 16. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. These folks that live by faith. 
that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Have you ever studied this passage to understand really what the writer of Hebrews is saying? This is so helpful, so instructive for us. Here is the point. The writer of Hebrews is telling us this. There is no opportunity to go back if a saint is disciplined not to look back. Let me say that again. There's no opportunity to go back if a saint is disciplined not to look back. The scripture tells us, as a man thinks, so is he. The Bible tells us to have a renewed mind. Uh, the, Paul warned the Corinthians uh, not to let anything get into their minds that's going to control that, but to cast on imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against we, what we know to be true of God. All right, so Satan wants to bring the past back to you, either to discourage you or for you to desire what's back there. Maybe there was some pleasure in that sin for a season. But if you will keep your eyes looking ahead to that city not made with hands where you're going to stand before the king of that city, there's no opportunity. You're not going to have opportunity. Now think about the opportunity to go back if you're disciplined uh, not to look back. Again, further evidence of this, Philippians chapter 3. Would you turn over there? Philippians 3, and look at verse 13. Paul's very practical here, brethren. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Say the next phrase with me. Forgetting those things which are behind. There's not an opportunity to go back if you're Yield to the Spirit of God and discipline not to look back. And Paul is saying, I don't look back. And reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He too is looking for that city and the prize when he stands before the king of that city, the Lord Jesus. So helpful. Christian goes on, my past is my grief. And I must choose neither to think on those things more or never to think on those things more. When I do look back on my sin, the worst of life is with me and I do not what is best. Don't look back. Prudence said, well, can you remember by what means you vanquish these annoyances when they come, these annoying thoughts, these tempting thoughts. How do you vanquish those is what she's asking. Then Christian says this, so, so good, so rich. Yes, when I think of what I saw at the cross, that will do it. And when I look upon my new garments, that will do it. Again, Clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Why would I go back to the rags? The filthy rags. Why? Look at these garments. And when I read the scroll I carry in my coat, that will do it. 
And when my thoughts are stirred about where I am going, that will do it. <laughs> wow. Again, the renewed mind. Fill your mind with that. And the annoying thoughts of the past and failure and, and guilt, gone. So victory over the flesh is secured when the believer gazes on Jesus' cross, rejoices in Christ's righteousness by which he is clothed, she is clothed, goes to the scriptures for perspective, and then gazes heavenward to the prize of our home. This is what the prudent saint does. And it's interesting, this conversation now is being had with this female character who's this personification of this virtue, prudence. Christian, are you living a prudent life? This is how you function. This is what you think. Is some stubborn habit crept in again? Something from the past, or maybe it's a new one. It's amazing. You can be saved how many years, and then some other thing will come in and start tempting you. But not if you respond to that annoyance like Christian did. Then Pruden says, and what is it that makes you so desirous to go to Mount Zion? Christian there is where I will see him alive that did hang dead on the cross. And there I will be rid of all those things by which my flesh annoys me. There is no death there, and I shall dwell with the best company. To tell you the truth, I love him because by him I was eased of my burden. I desire to be where dying to self will be no more and my company shall continually cry, holy, holy, holy. Then said Charity to Christian, have you a family? Are you a married man? Christian responded, I have a wife and four children. Then said Charity, and why did you not bring them along with you? At this, Christian began to weep and said, Oh, how willingly I would have brought them out. But they were all of them utterly against joining me on my pilgrimage. I told them also that God had shown me about the destruction of our city. But I seemed to them as one that mocked, and they believed me not. Of course, what Bunyan's pointing to there is what happened with Lot in Sodom when he's pleading with his family, we need to get out, Genesis chapter 19, verse 14. But they, they laughed and they, they, they didn't want to take seriously what he was saying. And so Lot and his family leave without the rest of the family. Charity said, but what did they say for themselves? Why were they unwilling to come? Christian my wife said she was afraid of losing this world, and my children were given to the foolish delights of youth. And so they left me to wander on my journey alone. Though I cannot commend my life and my failings, this I can say. They would tell me I was too precise. Now let's just stop. What, what is he referring to there? You're taking minor things too seriously. 
Have you ever talked to a family member and what is important to you because it's important to God is foolishness to them. That's, that's what, what Christian is referring to. Things that were upsetting me, things that I thought were important and serious, ah. He goes on, and they saw no evil in the things that were a burden to me. It is also true to say that if they saw in me any fault, it was my concern about sinning against God or doing wrong to my neighbor. Then Charity responded, indeed, Cain hated his brother because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Again, a reference, 1 John 3 and verse 12. She said, if they... If thy wife and children had been offended with thee for this, they thereby show themselves to be unmoved by any good, and you have delivered your soul from their blood. A reference there to Ezekiel 3.19, Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. So Christian's looking back and he says, the conviction I heard in my ears, the things that concern me, they, they didn't, didn't care about. They're still back there in the city of destruction. Now you can draw applications from this and maybe you look back to when you were first saved and how the family viewed that, how friends viewed that. I remember... Uh, my first pastorate, we had the opportunity one year in following up from vacation Bible school, there was a young family that sent their children to Bible school. They had twin boys and a little girl. And I remember going over there and we had the opportunity to lead them to Christ, the, the mom and dad. Then they started to tell us their story. She had gotten pregnant before getting out of high school, came from a Catholic family, and so they, they hid her. Her boyfriend was, uh, he was really a punk. Now they were married. It's amazing how folks get together. He had grown up on the streets of Chicago, and his dad was a Chicago police officer. This family was a mess, and they had young twin boys with health problems, and then they had this little girl. They got gloriously saved, and God, God just continued to work and grow that family. They became a regular part of the church. It was, it was really something to witness. But when I think about the opposition of family, this, this woman had an uncle who owned a bar in town. And the radical change that happened in this family scared the unsafe family half to death. We were a cult. What are you involved in? Who are these people? And in spite of all the problems that they had been saved out of, do you know that that family tried to draw this young couple back into the bar scene, the drinking, the drugs, the whole thing? Because that was the normal that they were used to and they just thought that, that being concerned about precise things that are a concern to God, that that, that was just scary and, and who are these people you're involved with? 
And yet God had saved some people out of the city of destruction who now were trying to be a testimony to the family that was still in the city of destruction. So let's close tonight. Our time is up. Bunyan's House Beautiful not only represents the haven a Christian home should be, we talked about that last week, but also represents the church, who we are. The fact that we've gathered tonight and in this gathering, your spiritual gifts, interacting with one another, that you are the house beautiful intended to encourage those who believe it's important to obey God and be in church. And I am quite confident that tonight, because you are faithful to the Lord, your gathering here will minister to other believers as intended just like in the story Christian is ministered to. So the church is intended for weary travelers, scaling the hill difficulty to come together, come into a, a house where they can be helped and encouraged. The conversation between the residents of House Beautiful and this newcomer is not only important for those entering our homes, but also for those desiring to join themselves to Christ's church. We must always be reminded and in the church of Jesus Christ when the family gathers together to encourage one another that we still live in a time when wolves want to come in too. False professors who will downplay true doctrine and even biblical holiness. I was reading today in Revelation in my devotions and and the, the letters to the seven churches and what was creeping into those churches that God condemned openly, the Lord Jesus condemned openly. For those seeking membership in a New Testament church, piety, prudence, and charity are all needed to establish that someone is truly of the faith. C.H. Spurgeon pointed out that there was actually such an exchange between John Bunyan and the man that would become his pastor, John Gifford, in the church there in Bedford, England. When Bunyan, Bunyan sought to join himself to that congregation, and it's, it's in print, this is history, Gifford said to him, Well, John, I am glad to find you are converted, but I could not take upon myself the responsibility of receiving you into fellowship. I must ask one of my elders or deacons to see you. Someone must be appointed by the church to converse with you and report to the rest of us as members whether you should be received or not. <laughs> what was Bunyan reflecting on when he gives this story about Christian arriving at House Beautiful? His own experience, his own testimony. They checked him out to see who this John Bunyan really was. Was he of the faith? It's important to see that interviews explore a person's biblical doctrine beyond a surface level. This is why we need to be careful here. This means they must have a credible salvation testimony and obvious walk with the Lord. Though obviously we take into account those who are new in the faith. Our difficulty today is that some come from churches. They've been in those churches for years and doctrinally... Spiritually, they're still new in the faith, and you know what I mean. 
So we, we have that uh, to grapple with. Pastor McCain, when you go to England, you'll have that to grapple with there, no doubt. So the church is God's plan for protection and equipping his children who are journeying to the celestial city. And here we are. Praise the Lord for the truths, again, that, that we can enjoy in story form but be helped by. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these reminders, what our home should be, our church should be. And then, Lord, also uh, reminders about our own spiritual growth, not looking back but pressing on. And, Lord, making sure our minds are saturated with truth and our eyes are on Jesus. Continue to grow us and protect us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.